The Sports Career Podcast, episode 234, how to work with elite athletes the right way. Hello Sports Achiever and thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's podcast. I'm your host Ed Bowers. As always my goal each week is to provide you an expert in a particular sector in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest with working with elite athletes in the sports industry. So I really do hope that this podcast that can support you with regards to your sports career development, interests and needs. Now getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Tim Chase. Tim is the founder of True Challenge and the co-host of the Invisible Wall podcast with Gilberto Silva, the World Cup winner and Arsenal Invincible. So for that reason, it's such a pleasure to have Tim as a special guest on the show. And that's when today's episode, Tim will share his sports career journey and explain to you the right way to work with elite athletes in the sports industry. Tim, it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast show. Please you share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? Uh, when I was four, my first ever game of football. <laughs> That's when the love of football uh, became apparent. But in terms of like a, a proper career, um, I guess uh, April 2017 is when I actually um, sort of properly started having a career with with a platform, True Challenge, the, the startup that I've got. Um, and then through built, starting that, I built a relationship with Gilberto Silva, uh, I'll use up all the good stuff in the first 30 seconds of the podcast, so I'll leave that a bit. So to answer your question, April 7, 2017. Okay, hold on. We've got to go back in time from the age of four <laughs> to like 2017. Could you yeah. just, just for the listeners listening in, I sort of have university students, people in the working sport, could you just sort of, sort of pr- provide a picture of how you started, you know, got to True Challenge uh, from a skill set perspective, education perspective? Love to hear more. No worries. So... I don't know if I have a skill set. Um, I did. Um, so I'll go back and kind of, and I'll try and summarize as possible. So my education up until I was about 15 was predicted A stars for everything, A's and A stars. Um, at that point, I kind of completely lost my passion with football. I was playing for Brighton, um, not really a youth team because it wasn't really a youth team and it wasn't academy because it was more than 30 years ago it wasn't really set up like that but I was playing for Brighton Brighton's under whatever team so from about the under sixes till about under 16s I was playing for Brighton and um, my football my local football team had two teams because it was so good in different leagues and I played for the Saturday and Sunday team as well and occasionally uh, the rep the county reps so by the time I was 16 I was playing at least three games of football a week and then three training sessions and I just kind of got to the point was like I am done completely done with football, gave up absolutely everything to do with football. Uh, and subsequently, subsequently, my um, GCSE suffered. I went to, I seemed to have the life of a retired middle-aged footballer at 16, started having a couple of drinks, started meeting girls, all that sort of stuff. So my education was, if you spoke to my mother, it was disappointing to say the least. Um, and uh, stayed on to do A-levels. A-levels were, I think it was CDT at the time, Craft Designer Technology. 
your students might not even know what that means if they're listening to that. Um, but then at, at, um, I had, because I'd messed around so much, I had to repeat my final year of uh, sixth form, my A-levels. Uh, and at that point, I was like, I'm so done with education. I, and I transpired, I just don't like being told what to do. Um, and I kind of went, you know, I'm just going just gonna to go and get some work. And I don't know if I wanted to be an architect or a psychologist, but I'm just going to leave uh, and just see what happens, much to my parents' disgust. So I started working for a friend's removal company. And he had, sorry, removal agency. So he had just started that up and was like, Tim, oh, no, first, I worked as an estate agent for three months, beat the two owners of the company at golf and they sacked me the next day so then I had to go and find another job <laughs> had to go and find another job and then had to go so anyway then went to this removal agency and he was just starting up and he was a removal person driver removal driver uh, and he wants to set up this agency so I went, look I'll come and give it a go and kind of blew it up really for him and it absolutely went mental uh, I think we were having like went from having him out every day to then having 40 people out every day and as a nearly 19 year old running a company like that basically while he went out and did it get doing the sales and everything else i was like well this is i'm obviously got i'm all right at this recruitment lark i'll go and see what else let's see if i can get better than finding removal people jobs so then moved on to uh, a company called dgh where they were amazing they um kind of let, trained me up as a recruiter uh, and their two directors uh, nigel gunn and jim hibbert a lot after them they kind of realized that I was a bit of a maverick and just kind of nursed me through it without irritating as many of their other members of staff as possible. Um, and then progressed up through there um, and then got to the point where I was like, I couldn't go any further. So I set up my own uh, company when I was 24, I think it was 24, 25 as a recruitment company. Um, after about 18 months, the two people I was working with, we wanted to go different ways. So I sold my shares, my equity back to them set up another business by myself, sold that, which was recruitment again, then went to work for another company, sold that, then did it again, and then got to the point where I had a kid, uh, I had, cust had custody of my, sorry, I was fighting for custody for my three-year-old son at the time. And I, this is no disrespect to the recruitment industry, but I was looking at myself and I could see the, what he was looking at me like, every single thing I did was an example of how a human should act, how uh, a dad should act, and how a man should act, or a person should act. I was going, what am I actually bringing to the table as a human? And what I'm actually bringing to the table as a human? I'm finding rich people better jobs and making them more money. Am I actually contributing anything to society here? And I said, this is my own personal thing. This isn't a statement about the recruitment industry. This is, no, I'm not happy with what I'm bringing to the world right here. And it was my son, having my son and fighting for the custody of him that actually kind of led me onto the path of coming up with True Challenge. Um, so, um that was looking at him so he would when he came back from his mum's he would just want to sit on his ipad uh, and watch this little uh, called youtube because i'm not sure if i'm allowed to swear called ryan's toy review and basically you guys might know it but he i have heard of it's it crazy it's crazy this this little kid's making Man, a lot of money with all these toys it's got unbelievable like, got, yeah <laughs> and his youtube dad. channel he's got like videos which have got like billions and billions of views and i was Look, I'm, I, and at that point I was like, I'm his dad, so I'm never going to be cool. However, I think I've turned it around. I'll come to that in a minute. Um, so I'm never going to be cool. However, iPads are cool. YouTube is cool. YouTubers are cool. I'm never, ever going to win that. So rather than beat them, join them. That was my attitude. Go, well, there must be a platform out there which can then um, utilize the power of this Ryan, these influencers, which are now so powerful, um, 
that get my son to do something constructive rather than just sitting here endlessly watching videos he can actually get involved so the kind of the first idea i had or what it came to me was like well this is so hi this is ryan this is how you build the best forts so rather than just watching on youtube you go this is how you build the best fort go and grab 10 pillows from your mum and dad's duvet from your mum and dad's bed and a duvet cover and build the best fort show me what fort you can make and then that, that's literally where the idea came from fortunately um if i'm talking too much let me know you can just make a hand carry signal. on carry on <laughs> yeah. um, i've um, got so some follow-up questions but carry yeah, on Carry on. Feel free. Um, so I'm doing, I'm really doing my own podcast. It's nice to actually talk in for once. Normally I'm, I'm doing your role going, yeah, I've gone talk, mate. Off you go. Um, so anyway, yeah. So then at that point it's like, look, there's nothing around. I couldn't find any platform that was. And me being me, as I said, don't like being told what to do. Uh, and if the, the worst slash best thing you can say to me is you can't do it or it can't be done, I will then kill myself to prove you wrong and be able to do it. I just, that's just how I'm made up. Anyway. So um, couldn't find a platform where you could do that type of stuff. So uh, fortunately, when my, I was a tech headhunter in my last role, so I was finding um, developers and people for tech startups and or tech businesses. And there's a guy called Darren Goldsby, who I had known in recruitment for about 15 years. And he, wherever he had gone, I built his team for him. So he was at Financial Times, then The Mail, then News International, then Right Move, then Hearst Magazine. And wherever he went, he, he kind of took me with him because he just trusted me. He would literally go and get pissed on a Friday afternoon and go, right, this is what I want, go and find it. And I knew what he wanted because I've done it for him before. And so I said, look, mate, it's kind of turned the tables a bit. Can I have a bit of advice from you this time? And he went, what? I mean, instantly, goes, what are you up to? And I said, look, Let's have a few beers and a bar. Sorry, I'll just buy you lunch. I said, no, actually, the first time ever, I said, can we have a professional, like, proper meeting before we go and get pissed? Uh, and he went, right. Instantly didn't trust me. Um, and I was told him about the idea for what was, um, originally it was My Football Fix, which is what it was called. Um, that's a platform where you set a, a task or a challenge and then people can respond. And I told him about this. And he went, I don't think you realise what you've stumbled on here, mate, do you? And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he, because he's from a data background. Um, and that's where his kind of passion is about the understanding people and things. And he said, the data you can get from this, shit, it's all over Facebook's data. Um, what you can give to your, to your clients or your customers. And I was like, what's data? Because um, <laughs> I knew nothing about it. I was a, I was a headhunter, right? Uh, and I went, so is this a, is this a uh, solver solution? Or is this something that is more than just fixing me and my, child is this a commercial event yes so at that point we then kind of started mapping out properly and went right what is the sort of genre of people or what sort of group of people post about themselves more than anything that you could kind of relate with because obviously if it's dancing not so much um but sports and everything love my sports played most sports at some point in my life and he, we went what about sports yeah you got crossfitters they love talking about themselves footballers not shy about talking about themselves either let's do it sports. So we just have a sports platform where you can engage. Um, and it just literally built, built from that and just steamrolled So for our first, so I got my money together from while I was having a divorce, fighting for custody of my son, the little bit of money I left, had, had left over, I built the first app or paid someone to build the first app for us. And we, uh, we got introduced to a young YouTuber called Kill Skills, who was nine years old at the time with 45,000 subscribers. And he said, yeah, his dad went, he's a really nice guy, Nick. How you doing, mate? Um, he said, yeah, my son would love that. We like, we like giving back to the, family, to the world. Um, 
so we'll absolutely do that. And so we set a challenge. In the first three weeks, we've got two million views. And at that point, me and Darren went, oh, we've bitten off more than we can chew here. Um, the next challenge we had then was a uh, FIFA challenge, where it's a squad building challenge. I don't know if you know squad building challenges, where you've got to get the chemistry right and the players and all this sort of stuff. And there's a, a YouTuber that lived in the same areas as me in, in Brighton. And he went, yeah, I'll give it a go. And basically he is following was so strong and so engaged that he broke us. So for 0.01 of a second, we matched Twitter's traffic. <laughs> so I think we had something like 30,000 people trying to sign up to the platform in like a minute, which just completely crashed us. So we had to go back to drawing board and go, right, we need something because we've gone right from, because our plan was written. So I live in a tiny village in Sussex called Stenning. 8,000 people, country village. If you think in your mind's eye what, uh, what uh, a, su village, a, Sussex, a village in Sussex would look like, that's exactly what my village looks like. <laughs> this is exactly what you're thinking. And I thought, right, we'll use the, we'll start a challenge with them and then they'll do a challenge with the next village. So there's two people and then they'll do another challenge and it'll just roll on like that. Our first challenge with the club was AS Roma. Do you know what I mean? So we went, oh. <laughs> and then the next one was with the F2, the YouTubers. Um, so we've kind of gone from zero to kind of 100 miles an hour in the blink of an eye. And it's just just kind of been astronomical. Tim, I've got to pause you. I want you to catch your breath because there are <laughs> times, Tim, in, in podcast interviews, I'm just shocked with a really great response you've just said. So I've got to just go a bit back in time. You've said some great yeah, points. Yeah. You said a great phrase, what you bring to the table. And two, you sort of said, um, the, the question I'm going to lead to is, how important from a career journey perspective is try and error? You know, a lot of students want that first job, that perfect job. This I don't believe in it. You sort of, it just happens by putting yourself out there. And also, you said you weren't keen in the education. But by the sound of things, you know quite a lot about data. So with regards to ed education, I look at it as like um, a hobby. You know, I'm always thriving to learn through different industries. Through that recruitment period, when did learning just kick in of just interest with regards to that idea with true challenge so there's a couple questions there because this is i just want this to be like conversation personally what do i bring to the table so yeah that was that's been a real um learning point for me i'll probably bring the education a bit into that as well so by the time you i don't know what career it is that you could stay in and you're not and you're still got lots to learn maybe medicine i'm not a medicine medical person but by the time i got to recruitment every day was the same and it wasn't even it sounds very arrogant but there, there was nothing that could happen that would really excite or phase me you know um so i just kind of and, and i was 32 maybe at the time 35 or something like that when you get to 40 they're all kind of midland the same sort of years um so i now learn more in a day than i ever did in the last 15 years of recruitment because there's the passion behind it the passion i want to go right how did that happen and it's literally every single thing it's quite exhausting at some time and i'm quite exhausting to live with because i suddenly like at three o'clock in the morning go oh, i've got an idea and i'm allowed to come down and work my way out of it and i just have that's just how i'm wired there's much more sensible healthier people than me in the world um that kind of work things out with more methodically but i think understanding what you bring to the table and what your skill set is is hugely important um those things can change absolutely but i think understanding what you're good at and not lying to yourself going, look, for me, I'm good at selling. I'm good at creating relationships and selling. People like me, 
if you think of the podcast, you might not like me at all. But generally speaking, people like me. Uh, and I'm good at kind of communicating. So I'm good at telling, like finding out what you like, what's going to be relevant, and if this product's relevant for you. But I wouldn't try and sell something that's completely irrelevant. That's probably why I'm not an estate agent. Um, so I think understanding what you're in your wheelhouse, what's your wheelhouse kind of thing, is understand what you can bring to the table. Because then that means me as a founder, owner, whatever you want to call me, I know exactly what I can bring to the table and I can own ownership of that, but it also knows I know what I need to help from. I know what I need weakness from. So marketing, I'm awful at marketing, no experience in marketing. I needed a marketing person. I'm so got such a short attention span. I cannot edit videos. So that's the first hire we had was a video editor because I, I just lose interest within about 30 seconds. So I think that's kind of really important. Education is you have obviously the kind of traditional education of A-levels, GCSEs, AS levels, things like this, which are hugely important for the right person. Uh, if you're listening to this and you're doing any of those, don't, because a fat old man from Sussex has told you the education isn't important. That, um, that's not what I'm saying at all. For me, it wasn't. But it, what it has done is it made my life a lot harder. I have to work my ass off. I have to wake up at three o'clock in the morning with amazing ideas. Otherwise, I'm not going to be successful. I haven't got the education to fall back on. Um, so, so, but then you've got education, which is self, self-development, which is, oh, I can't want to build an app. How do I build an app? Right. What's the first stage of going through an app? And I said many already before, I don't like being told what to do. So I, whatever you tell me, I'm, I've already stopped listening. So I've got to go and find out for myself. Uh, then find out that you're true. I apologize. And then we move forward, move forward. So I don't take, um, I don't take, I don't know for an answer. I've got to follow up so I can then have an educated decision about this. Cause a lot of decisions are expensive, costly decisions if you get it wrong and could damage reputation and obviously think damage things financially. Um, but then going to go back to one of the other questions you asked a second ago about uh, failure learning. And I think it's, I don't know where my, <laughs> my lack of, my lack of risk has come from because my father's extreme. My dad, my father was an engineer for NASA in the seventies and was as a far more interesting career for me. And my six as well is like the most interesting life of most people you'll meet. So it's the fear of failure, which cripples everybody. And I think from an early age, I was running a company. I know I hadn't set up by myself, but at 19, I was basically running someone's company for them in every way possible, from payroll to sales to organizing who's going to work where and things. Uh, and I just found out that there actually isn't setting up your own company isn't that hard. Running your own company isn't that hard. It's, it's the staffing that's the problem. You've got to find the right staff because you know you've got, you've got to find out really quickly no one's going to work as hard as you on your idea. And that's not, that's not a, um, saying something negative about my current staff. That's just saying, fact, why should they work till three o'clock in the morning, wake up at three o'clock in the morning and do anything like that? Why should they? This is a job for them. This is my life. Um, but every employee of my app does wear their asses off just to cover that. But fear of failure. So I saw an amazing video. It might have been on LinkedIn. And it was a woman was doing a presentation and her dad, when she was a kid, her dad at the dinner table would ask her and her two brothers and sisters, or one brother, one sister, what they failed at today. And he wasn't interested about the successes. They go, right, what did you fail at today? And they, they became so excited to talk about their failures. The fear of failure was absolutely non-existent. So she, I think they all now mixture of startups, uh, but all of them have got successful careers because they don't have that fear of, of failure. And what's going to happen? You know, you get people that are scared to pick up the phone to someone. I've seen that and have experienced that and currently experienced that. I come just pick them up and ask them. No, I just sent them an email. Just pick them up the phone and ask them. Do you know, I, but I don't know them. All right. 
so what um so the fear of failure is, is hugely important and the bigger you the sooner you can get kind of get over that the better sometimes you may never get over it but i think rather than fear of failure moving out of your comfort zone nothing good ever happened in your comfort zone ever only the good shit happens outside of your comfort zone you're spot on actually you've just triggered a, a learning lesson i learned from sarah Bake, blakely the founder of spanx that might her be dad it. used to always say at the dinner table yeah. what do you so, fail yeah, today yeah, so i just couldn't remember so is that it sarah blakely like she no, no, like you just, if that's her, like she is a great example to learn from because if you could just know your failures, the successes will happen. And look, I hope the listeners are enjoying this because for me, like Tim, you're just bouncing different learning lessons within your journey. And as you say, it's so easy. I think it's to be the question masters, the podcast, and then being the special guest. But again, going back to the football industry. Now you said, you know, football, I want to hear your thoughts of how you got back in the football industry, but how has the football industry changed from when you were a player? So while I hate, I gave up playing, I never really um, fell out of love of watching it. So I still watch the big games. Um, still a Chelsea fan, as you can see over my shoulder. Um, um, so I never lost the love of football. But I think you, you think it's this kind of old man's club. And unless you're a player, you know, you're never getting in. Um, so... I think football changed massively right from everything from when I was playing. I think everything's gone from the safeguarding, which has had to happen to the actual taking kids seriously and having academies. Like we've got friends of ours who plays for the academy, Chelsea's academy, and he's seven and drives up to Cobham every week. We used to drive up to Cobham every week to come play in Chelsea's team. And like, this is unbelievable. And then we've got Brighton locally, which has got amazing facilities now. And Brighton are in the Premier League rather than almost going out of existence, which is the biggest difference in football in my life. Um, so, yes, there's been a huge difference. I think technology has driven that. I think just the, world, world, the evolving world has been part of that as well. Um, I think football was always going to be a little bit behind because there's, there's such big organisations and they, they're responsible for their fans and they can't suddenly change things. They can't suddenly be dynamic and changing stuff because they've got a huge variety of fans. You've got your three-year-old girl, your five-year-old boy to your 99-year-old nan who's been going to Old Trafford since she was a young girl. Um, and changing too much is, is, isn't possible. Uh, but saying that, there are some incredible people that I've worked with and are working with in football clubs um, changing, changing the world for the good. So getting to the, the root question, because I would love to hear again, really quickly, I want to touch on one thing, building meaningful relationships in the sports industry. I'm going to talk about networking now because I always like to share with the audience how I got connected with my guests. And actually with Tim, it was a real accident on Clubhouse. Now, I've had the privilege and we're going to, I'd love to hear your, like, your story again of how you are now working with Gilberto. But I did a project with the Athens Women's Football Summit, met him saw on Instagram that he set up his like, profile on Clubhouse and I messaged him going, look forward to seeing you on the platform. I did my first one the next day, <clears throat> invited him on. Nobody knew who he was because he just said, Gilberto, there was no face. And before, you know, everybody wanted to be part of the conversation. And I brought you on because I knew the, the great work you're doing with the podcast. And that's how us two got connected. And since then, I've been following Tim on Twitter and so on and so forth. So just for listeners listening, it can be a short period of time to really connect. But getting back to my question, working with Gilberto, but also people in the football industry in general, how important is it to build meaningful relationships? Because it's important, but it's sometimes underrated in a career perspective. You know, like everybody wants to work with these elite athletes, but some people don't do it the right way. 
yeah. So there's quite a few points to kind of bring up in there. So you're absolutely right. I'm very lucky to work with Gilberto. It's it's such a random relationship. It really is. Um, so we met at a conference called SoccerX uh, three or four years ago now. And uh, he was kind of the guest of honour, kind of there to do speaking. And the networking, even on the first night, um, I got introduced to him by a friend who worked for the Premier League. And he was kind of with Gilberto. Me and him, it's like an old romance. Our eyes met across the room. Um, anyway, my friend Alex invited, uh, introduced me to Gilberto. And I was going through to kind of keep it as kind of um, confidential from Gilberto's point of view as possible. He, he has been through something that I was going through. Um, and we basically just chatted. He, I, we didn't talk about football. We didn't talk about True Challenge, my app that I just released. It was just two blokes just chatting. And uh, our kind of core, um, what's the word, core beliefs about family, um, making the world a better place. We just clicked from that point of view. And it was irrelevant that one of them had won the World Cup on as an Arsenal Invincible. And one of them was just a starter boy who apparently played football for Brighton for a couple of minutes. Um, we just got on incredibly well. Um, and then we had a few drinks. I had a lot more than he did. Uh, and then the next day I had to do a presentation and I was doing a presentation in front of like 150 people and he came through and went, hey, Tim, how you doing? And I was saying, look, can you look a little bit rough? I was like, yeah, I got pissed with Gilberto Silva last night, didn't I? And they're like, you can see the look in their face going, yeah, of course you did, mate. And then kind of as, as I said that, through the crowd, Gilberto came through, gave me a big hug, hugging a kiss on the cheek, goes, how's your head, mate? I'm like, not good, not good. Uh, and he said, look, do you mind if I, Alex had told me about your, your, true, your true challenge app. It sounds really interesting. He was the sporting director of Panathinaikos at the time. And he said, um, do you mind if I have a chat with you about this? I'm something really passionate about kind of bringing something back to the world. Um, are you free? And I'm like, yeah, I'm free, mate. Yeah, when's good for you? <laughs> do you know what I mean? And he's, he's, he's an incredibly humble man. Uh, it's, it's, it's quite extraordinary. Yeah. Um, uh, when you think of a footballer, Imagine the exact opposite, and you have Gilberto Silva. He's almost does, he almost enjoys it more when he goes to events where there's just people like you and I, everyday people, rather than star studded events where there's everybody else around. He's much more at home, Oops. he's much more at home with the everyday man. Uh, and he's an incredibly humble bloke. So, yeah, we spoke about that. Then, when he, he was living in Greece at the time, so every time he came back to London, he'll drop me a message and go, Hey, are you free? Uh, and I'll go with him. I just had got custody of my son about two years ago. Anyway, hey Tim, I've just arrived in London. Are you free for lunch today? I'm like, it's half term, mate. I've got my son. He went, bring him with you. And at that point, my son had just found out about FIFA. He was five, I think. No, yeah, five and a half, six. And he just found out about FIFA. I'm like, do you want to go and meet someone who won the World Cup? And he's like, yeah. And he's instantly he's thinking Neymar, all these sort of players. Like, well, not Neymar won the World Cup. Uh, and I go, we meet Gilbert Silva. And he went, what? And I'm like, <laughs> right, okay, fine. So on the train up there, I was showing him. YouTube clips of Gilberto and, went, and then when he, when he lifted up the World Cup and um, so we get to this obviously it's a nice hotel restaurant we're staying and he pick, instantly runs over and picks up my son and goes hey you must be Ben so pleased to see you I'm so pleased to meet you um, can I get you a drink and all this sort of stuff so it's instantly it's just incredible um, and I can see the, the look of kind of disappointment on my son's face I'm like you know, when did Gilberto's gone to get the drinks I'm like you alright mate and he goes yeah I'm like no God, what's the point he goes Where's the World Cup? I'm like, he doesn't get to carry it around with him all the time, mate. I'm really sorry. He goes, okay, well, why isn't he wearing his Brazil football kit? I'm like, yeah, 
he doesn't he doesn't wear a football kit every day, mate. Yeah, and also he's retired. I'm like, bless him. But and then and now, so Gilberto's come to my tiny little village in in, in Sussex and has been to my son's school with me to pick up my son from school. So you can see that when they're coming out of the playground to come pick it up, and he goes, "It's Gilberto Silva," because he he knows Gilberto Silva's famous, but can't. In fact, there's a really nice story about this. So um, we helped Gilberto with the social media, and I'm um, in a WhatsApp chat with him and my girlfriend because my girlfriend does the actual managing of the stuff and she said can you send me some photos of you uh, of you that i can use for your social media he sent about 300 pictures through on whatsapp so my phone's absolutely blowing up as i'm trying to play fifa with my oldest son ben and he, i'm going through and looking at it i was like oh wow look how young he looks there and i could see my son poking over his shoulder he goes is that jiba i'm like yeah because he calls him jiba is that jiba i'm like yeah he is he goes and then kind of throws the remote on the, con the control on the floor goes is that with ronaldinho i'm like yeah, he won the World Cup with him, didn't he? Went, did he? I'm like, you know he did. And it's like almost as two different people. It's Gilberto Silva, Jiba, daddy's mate and the family friend. And then Gilberto Silva. And it's like amazing to see him. Is that with him with Roberto Carlos? I'm like, yeah, he won the World Cup. And then I picked up a photo with him, Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, Rivaldo, Kaka. And he's, they're all sitting there like this with their arms over each other. My son's mind just goes, Puff. just can't correlate the two. It's just, and I kind of can't. It's not until like moments where I'm talking to Gilberto. In fact, the best moment with Gilberto was we're doing the podcast um, and we're talking about World Cups and things like this. And I said, so have you got a WhatsApp chat group with the World Cup winners? And he went, yeah, of course I have. I'm like, show me your phone right now. Show me that group. And he went, all right, here you go. And it was Dida, Dunga, Cafu, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho. And I'm like, oh my God, can you invite me to this group? He went, I love you, Tim, but that's never going to happen, my friend. Anyway, so sorry. I've digressed quite a lot. Um, so met him, uh, so kept on meeting him. Then he uh, moved to London because he's also Fred from Man United's agent. So uh, we start. He moved to London, and I said, "Look." He was telling me the story of why Ronaldo had that dodgy haircut, you know, that cut that goes shaved his head and just had that moon bit on the front. And I said, "This is amazing, mate. Why don't you do a podcast?" He went, and I could see the spark going going off. And he's Gilberto's a very very intelligent man, uh, despite being a footballer. Um, and he just needs a little bit of a spark and then his brain goes off and you can see like the, the fire getting light lit behind his eyes and he goes yeah okay I'm like you can do stories like this we can talk about Arsenal and he goes and he's a bit like me he doesn't like being told what to do and wants to break things in a positive way and went, okay I'll do it if you do it with me because I think you knew that he's not, he's not in his character to be like us, like exciting and bring things up. So, hey, Tim, what are you doing next? Um, so it's not in that nature. So he needs someone like a fool to kind of bounce off and ask him questions. Because when you get him going, it's absolutely brilliant, as you saw on the clubhouse. Thing. Um, and he went, okay, we'll do that. And then we started working. Then um, he invested in True Challenge. And then we started working with Fred. And then he, <laughs> so he's brilliant. So he, obviously, he's quite well connected as a bloke. And he'll I'll, I'll suddenly, my phone will suddenly go off. And it'll go, Gilberto Silva set, you know, added you to a WhatsApp chat group. I'm like, all right, who's it today? Oh, Robert Perez. Because um, my phone was beeping when I was in bed one night with my girlfriend and it was like midnight and my phone beeps. You know what happens if you're in bed with your partner and your phone beeps at midnight. Who's that? I'm like, it's Robert Perez, love. She went, what? I went, it's Robert Perez. Just send me a quick message. I'm like, once I talk in the morning, I'm like, okay, fine. And then the next one was... Um, uh, Yuri Jorkev, who's the CEO of the FIFA Foundation. Um, so yeah, just get these WhatsApp random WhatsApp with your burgers. Oh, I should get Tim to talk to him. And it's just like it's my life now going from looking at CVs to now 
pitching to FIFA is is all in the space of about three or four years is is quite a journey. I don't even know what you asked me. Was it, did you ask me a question right along the line? I got, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> You've just painted a huge picture, but I just got to simplify it just for like somebody just started in the industry just as because this is like what you've gone through the last four years for a lot of people like even i'm like my jaws is dropping at the stories but just to simplify i want to just um talk about trust building real rapport i know it sounds obvious it's so important but from your experience can you just elaborate on those two points, trust and building yeah, rapport? Rather shipping on about something irrelevant, that's fine. Um. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just like what well, these stories are. I, I think it's so natural with your son. Honestly, I, I'm just resonating with what you're saying that the, the, the real treating Gilberto as a human being, like really quickly, how I met him, it was at that, that, that conference, and we were running late this conference, and there was about 20 people in the room, and it was all about the player's voice from a women's football standpoint. I had a mum had an 11 year old and I'm like, all oh, the crowd was gone because they had to get flights for another rent. But Gilberto was there and I said, right, my, my, cause I was the moderator. I said, my goal is just to make sure this guy's a great session. And everybody had pictures with him before. I didn't really know him. I'm a rugby guy. Oh, yeah. in the UK. So, and I, and I, you might know, you must know Paul Bryant yeah. because he does work with entourage sport, but he mentioned his name, but he meant another Paul Bryant. So we had a chat he said do you want a photo no 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 enjoy the conference and it's only when we did that session he tapped me on the shoulder he goes good work mate and I said now could I have the selfie and he said yeah sure but my point is it's building that rapport and treating them like a human Absolutely. being I think that's what I want to share with the listeners so just with what you've shared and I want to talk about your podcast now you've given great description but what have you learned starting a podcast in general from a content creation perspective but first touch back on the trust and building rapport uh, from yeah. a working in this industry that's cool yeah and if i start going off on a tangent ram me back in yeah we'll we'll do do. we'll do um so i think it's important regardless if you're talking to someone who's who's a dustbin man or someone who's a milkman or a butcher or a window cleaner or someone who's won the world cup or someone who's a professional athlete or someone who's a lawyer you need to treat them with respect and they are as important as you and everybody else so i don't go into a conversation going hey roberto carlos you're important than me i agree they're both I agree that you're more successful, but as in, we're, everybody in the whole world is as important as each other, and there's no more one person more important than each other. But what also, I need to realise that your experiences in life are very different to mine. So what is an athlete's experience? They get asked to do shit all the time. Like, so when I go out with Fred um, or any other um, famous athlete, they can't do anything without them... Uh, doing it. In fact, it happened to Gilbert and I when we first kind of met. We went out for a drink, and we we're just sitting at the bar having a chat, and we're actually talking about quite a serious thing for both of us. That we both get not emotional. We're going to hug and cry, but it's kind of a quite a heart to something that two blokes wouldn't talk about. And with that, a waiter came and went, "Do you play for Arsenal?" And he went, "Yeah." And he goes, "What's your name?" And he goes, "Oh, right. So you don't even know who he is," and and he's still doing that. So. That And that would happen to Gilberto or anyone 10 times a day. And obviously, it, and he took it with the grace and decorum that he, you would expect him to. And I was like, doesn't that sort of thing piss you off? He goes, he'd been waiting there for 10 minutes to build up the courage to come and say hello to me, which is what I didn't see because I don't very well forget people coming up to go, you Tim Chase, it's on your podcast. Um, so I was like, that's a great way to look at it. If you put it on the other person's point of view, this might be the only time he ever sees Gilberto Silva although he didn't know who he was. Um, 
it might like they might be the only time you ever cross paths with Ronaldo or Neymar or whoever, and it takes you a bit of courage to go up and go, can I have a photo? Because then you go and you almost apologize. Like, I'm really sorry. Can I have a photo, please? He recognizes that, which is great. But also, you got to recognize that we've got to recognize that as one thing. Everybody wants them to do something, and everybody wants them to do something for free. But also, they've been burnt a lot of times by some of the, their best friends. So their best friends say, hey, can you, I've got this really great business idea. Can you lend me £100,000 or can you lend me fifty grand?" And they never hear from them again. They, they've been burnt in more ways than we can possibly imagine. They also need to be very careful about what they associate their name with. Because I don't think any athlete that's an elite athlete would underestimate the power of their name or social media or anything being associated with it what they want to know is if what's not what's in it for them but what's from a financial point of view but what can they change like Gilberto loves our platform because we can change kids lives and we've got great stories that I won't tell on this podcast um, about changing a kid's life um, because she was autistic and she wanted one of our challenges we never knew about it um, and changing a kid's life like that is something that an athlete would want to do more so than making a hundred grand from a tweet it's understanding what is that bit. And the only way you're going to understand is by listening to them and talking to them. And I think by taking, as soon as you start having those conversations with people and listening and understanding about, right, what does it mean to, what, what are you looking to do with your life? What can I do to help you, help you do that? And I think as soon as you start having that conversation, then you're not just the same person who asked them, who's your favorite player? What's the best player you played with? That they've been asked a thousand times. Like I've been doing a podcast with Gilberto for a year and we do loads of events. We get asked that or tweeted that on his social media, maybe 20 times a week. <laughs> he gets asked, who was the best player you played with? And every single time he acts as if it's the first time he's been asked it, because that's the sort of person he is. But I think speaking to them as if they're human beings, and you're not just going to take something from them. Oh, imagine if Ronaldo, if Ronaldo took part in one of my challenges. That would blow my app up. It would. What's the, what's the likelihood? And what's he going to get from it? That's what I need to find out. Also, just to, just to touch in, one, you've hit nail on the head, the athletes now... Our brands but but two i wanted to chip in with the podcast i remember when he s- spoke about it even on the clubhouse he wanted to help people f- with their mental stuff we're still in the pandemic hopefully it will solve it out but what i admire from gilberto with the podcast is it's not just about interviewing other players it's actually helping people with you know the mental health that was more of his focus when he spoke to me about it. i'm like this is different uh, if that makes sense than just the normal questions of arsenal or best players he played with so um yeah sorry yeah so he uh, I'll, I'll touch on that that's cool so this is a, this is a measure of of the sort of person that Gilberto is um so I in last year I had uh, a second one of my friends commit suicide because of mental health um and it's the second who was a father so both of them were fathers both of them had young kids uh both of them appeared to have the best life one lived in a big house by the beach another one lived in Spain with no mortgage on paper looked like it and they both just left left the family house and were never seen alive again uh, and i told you about this when the second one died um and i was like mate we need to do something about this and he went i'm 100 percent behind you tell me what we got to do so we then spoke with with calm a campaign against living miserably and if you're listening to this and you're struggling even the tiniest little bit speak to them they will help you out and give you ability to kind of overcome so many things or even listen to the podcast with Gilberto and I go to Invisible Wall podcast and look for the um, campaign against living miserably or calm it gives you some fascinating fascinating insights 
into that. And he, we did a cold water shower challenge. So bless Gilberto, he's in Brazil and he has to do a cold shower challenge. And you can see, God bless him, he struggles so much. I've never seen him look less comfortable. Um, so yeah, so you're absolutely right. And, and we kind of try and do things. And mental health is something that I'm quite passionate about. Obviously losing two, in fact, I think it might even be three now, uh, to mental health. It's something that I'm massively passionate about. Um, and he just completely got behind it. It was like, not even a question, mate, absolutely, got you back, absolutely. Um, and I think it's important for people like him to, to give it the freedom that it, it needs to be able to talk about, right? Out of interest, Tim, reflecting, what have you learned from this experience? With Gilberto. With Gilberto, with True Challenge, through your confidence. I'm intrigued. I'm just in awe because, <laughs> you know, from somebody who didn't do well at school to now doing this, it shows anything's possible with, with the right attitude. So it was more, I go back to my question, um, what have you enjoyed or learned from this experience the most? Yeah, so with Gilberto, the two things I learned from Gilberto is, one, he has a horrific memory. And there's my favorite thing about playing for the Brazil team was the desserts that they did in the hotels. Um, <laughs> um, what a tooth, um, in terms of kind of careers, don't take no for an answer, believe in yourself and trust yourself and back yourself. And, uh, was it, you don't fail until you give up. So even if it takes you five years to get your idea out there, you haven't failed yet. Cause you're not giving up. You only fail when you give up. And if you're getting to the point where you give up, remember why you started in the first place. Whatever that one was, obviously mine was my son. Why did I pick up on True Challenge? It obviously sounds like it's been very glamorous and there's been nothing but success. There's a lot of heartache and catastrophic mistakes by me throughout them. So it's back yourself. Uh, also surround yourself with people that aren't just yes men or women, yes people. They, you've got to have a trusted network behind you going, Tim, this is, is, is a stupid idea. Don't you, if you surround yourself with yes people, you make more far more mistakes. But also trust yourself. That's the most important thing. If you think your idea is good enough, what have you got to lose? You can find another job. You can't find another dream. Absolutely. Like I want to touch on your LinkedIn article because that sort of blew me away where I saw on LinkedIn. Really quickly, you talked about backing yourself with your own ideas. What have you learned again? I'm using that word learn because I've really enjoyed the article and I'm going to share it in the show notes that this was just an idea on a kitchen table. And then four years on, you're doing cool projects. I love to hear what challenges you're up to as well. But just on that kitchen table, looking back, like what have you gained, learned from a skill set perspective in that sort of really short period of time? If you have a good idea, people will back you on it. You know, I say our, our third challenge was with AS Roma. It's just finding the right people. And but you've got to find the right product. So the product, how it originally, the product, True Channel's product offering originally got zero interest, not even one single person. We had a call with the All Blacks, like Tim, I don't even know what you're talking to me about. And like, the, when I, if I look back at the pictures, then I'll go, wow, why I really misunderstood the marketplace. It was just too eager. And, it, and it's going to happen. But now I just go onto a deck and I, and I can see the moment they go, oh yeah, no, we have to use this. I won't pitch, it's not the platform to pitch the platform, but yeah, everyone, you, I pitched to somebody, let's just say Manchester United, and within the first five minutes ago, yeah, we have to use this platform. And I can see that it doesn't matter what I say after that, because I've been, I've done thousands of these pitches. Um, the girl is literally sitting in my kitchen table and book going, right, what am I going to do to change my life? I don't want to do recruitment anymore. And then building up from that to then going, working with the United Nations uh, <laughs> during the, for our first lockdown. And then being, that being then featured in Forbes magazine, 
um, and on the United Nations website. You know, it's, it's, the list is kind of almost endless. It all comes from really hard work. There's no substitute for it. There, 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 there isn't. But you've got to make sure you've got to make the sacrifices. Now, I have a few things in my life that I, I will not sacrifice on because of my relationship with my son, my oldest. Family time is non-negotiable. So there's certain things I have to pick them up from school. I have to drop them off for school. Anything around that is kind of flexible. And everyone knows that dad's time has to be stretched a little bit. But I don't sacrifice my, um, pick up or drop off from school for, and it will be for either of my kids, uh, and dinner time uh, is with them. Also, when I'm with them, my phone's in a different room. So I can't be doing the cheeky email or text message. My phone's in a different room. So there are certain things that you're going to go, I can't sacrifice these. I'm not willing to sacrifice this, but then I read everything else, which is, um, so like going out beer with your, beers with your mates, going to the football, staying up late and playing poker or whatever. I'd rather be sober when I pitch with to FIFA tomorrow. So you've got to work out you can't, you're being naive. If you can feel you can be successful without making sacrifices. You just need to work out what you're willing to sacrifice and what you're not willing to sacrifice. My goodness, you can rock the mic. I, I can tell you're a podcaster. Wow, there's times I'm just speechless. You've done it twice in this episode already in this conversation. Look, I've really enjoyed this conversation, but I'd like to finish with an inspirational one. And you've provided really great antidotes of advice, experiences, um, and real just, I just like your authenticity, if that's a skill or however you would call that as a trait. But I like to finish with an inspiration question for somebody's listening in going, okay, Tim's just shared his experiences, his skills. Could you just summarize in three tips for the listener right now for that first step, literally that first step in three tips so they can listen to this and apply your tips into practice with regards to their career journey in the sports industry or football industry in that matter. So I said it before, back yourself. No one's going to back you more than you do, but also be your own critic. No one's going to give you more praise than yourself. No one's going to get, sorry, everyone else give you praise. No one's going to be as uh, critical about you as yourself. You don't need anyone else telling you you're critical. You know when you make mistakes, but you need to be people to be honest with you. Um, I'll make sure that you have someone that kind of has your back. So even when you're kind of, it's because you have those days, we have those dark days, you're like, oh, is there any point in me doing any of this anymore? And you have that one person goes, come on, let's regroup this and let's go look how far we've come kind of thing. Um, and Darren is that guy to me. So I had it, I had it this week. I was like, oh, mate, is there any point in this? And he goes, Tim, you're just hung over and you've got two kids and you've been homeschooling. Sort yourself out. And I was like, you're right. Have that one person. It might be your mum, your dad, your best mate, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. Have that one person who's got your back. And you need that not just in work. You need that in life. You need that one trusted confidant that you can tell anything to. Uh, and in fact, your bow is probably one of mine as well. Out of interest, Tim, where's the best place where people could interact with you on social media? I'm all over the shop. Twitter, LinkedIn or Instagram and it's Tim Chase TC. That is great. To all the listeners listening in, all those links will be on my website relating to this blog post. Tim, it's been such a pleasure chat with you today. Thank you very much. No worries, Ed. Good to talk to you. Wow. What a fascinating podcast chat with Tim. There are times twice in that conversation where I was speechless with regards to some of his responses relating to the questions I asked. And for me, the biggest learning lesson I've learned from Tim is his values of his son, the importance of his family, which really reflect him as a person with regards to the work he does in the football industry. And with regards to the second biggest learning lesson, which is today's podcast topic of the importance of how to work with elite athletes the right way, I hope you've got a better understanding 
that just treat these athletes like human beings. I know it's so easy said than done. And I remember way back with regards to Paul Brighton on this podcast show, he always said, you know, the great thing working in sport, it is a good gig that you work with elite athletes on and off the sports field. But I think I like to address this point. I think it's a privilege of when you work in the football or sports industry with athletes, where you look at it and where you can add value to them, add value to the idea you have or the industry sector you want to work in and make the sports industry a better place moving forward. Not just the football industry. I mean, any aspects of the sports industry and you work with athletes for a bigger cause that's where the real magic happens. And just to be clear, this is just experience through myself. I've been nervous when I met Gilberto. I was nervous when I interviewed Baroness Tanny Gray-Thompson. I was nervous when I spoke to Ben Gollings when he was on the show. I do get the nerves. It is normal. But when you just have the confidence to just see them eye to eye as human beings, it just makes working this industry more better, I would say, just because everybody's on the same playing field. And Going back to Tim's point on respect, I love the piece of when he said, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a lawyer, a dustbin person or a butcher, you know, treat people with the same respect. Um, of course, as like he said, everybody's got different success within their background, within their what they've achieved in their life. Again, I just hope you've got a better understanding now if you want to work in the sports industry the right way to work with elite athletes. I almost wish I had this podcast when I started my sports career journey, just to look at it from Tim's perspective. And relating to his career, once again, anything's possible if you put your mind to it. Like Tim has shown that with his journey, that he just had an idea and he just stuck with it. He's had the ups and downs, but now he's he has the right people around him to make more positive things in the sports industry with regards to true challenge. So... Once again, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Please subscribe, rate the show. I'd really appreciate it. But now I want you to put Tim's career tips into practice. And the main one I want to focus on is back yourself. So whatever you're currently doing with regards to your sports career development, back yourself with your decisions now and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Tim said, you're being naive if you feel you can be successful without making personal sacrifices. So you've got to work out what you're willing to sacrifice and what you're not willing to sacrifice with regards to your own personal success.